Man Up, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. And now, it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. I am Joe Stopulos, and today I am joined by Bishop Joneson to discuss the Eucharistic revival going on by the USCCB. Let us start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A lot to cover in a short amount of time. We'll start at the top. As you heard, the topic of today's show is actually an interview with uh, Bishop Jonesen. Uh, and this is one that I, I kind of pitched to him. He has his own radio show as well on IO Catholic Radio. And I wanted to make sure that uh, I thought the, the, the subject would be good for both of us. So it's an interview we kind of did with each other uh, on his show. And so I'll, I'll broadcast it as well. But the topic's really important, which is this, this Eucharistic revival. Uh, if you listen to Bishop Barron, if you read the, the Catholic news, you understand that there is a uh, a need for this. Uh, that, that, that this is where we really have to, as Catholics, uh, hunger down and, and rediscover the Eucharist. And so we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Uh, why we're doing, it, why the USCCB is doing, it, and what we're going to be doing here in Des Moines to to, uh, to associate ourselves with this. So that's the first thing. A couple other things. It is Lent. Happy Lent to you. Um, just wanted to, you know, as always, every year, want to make sure we, we take this, this seriously, this opportunity uh, to grow closer to our Lord. You know, find those areas in your life uh, to fast. Fast from things that are keeping you from our Lord, the things that uh, take away uh, his gaze from you. Uh, he, he's always trying, and the Lord's always reaching out, but we are keeping ourselves from him. And what are those things that we need to fast from in order to grow in conformity to his will for our lives. Um, so, yeah, as always, every year, take it seriously. I know for me personally, I'm doing the, uh, obviously, Exodus 90. But in addition to that, you know, I'm really going to, I'm hunkering down on, on, the, on the cell phone this year. I really want to make sure I'm detaching myself from technology as much as possible. All right, last thing to hit on before we head to the break in the interview with Bishop Jones. And it is, it is, it is Carathon Week. Here at Iowa Catholic Radio, uh, we are a listener-supported network. We need uh, our listeners to support us. And the way we do that is twice a year we come to you guys. Uh, uninterrupted programming the rest of the year, but two weeks out of the year we take some time uh, and ask for your help. And so if you go to iowacatholicradio.com uh, and just click Donate, you can do it right there. It's quick and easy. Also, you can call 515-223-1150, 515-223-1150. Uh, phones are right now. You can call, and they're on standby to answer your call anytime this week. We would love your support. We need your support uh, as we continue to grow. Uh, I know the, the impact that this station's had on my own life personally and, and the lives of many, many, many other people uh, across our diocese, uh, and we need to continue to support this wonderful mission. Uh, of Iowa Catholic Radio, and so I'm asking you to do that uh, today, so, or in the minimum sometime this week, to go online or give them a call and support us. We're going to head to a short break, and when we return, we'll be on an interview with Bishop Jonesen on the Eucharistic Revival. Hi, this is Cy Kellett from Catholic Answers Live. Catholic Radio continues to be a spiritual lifeline for the faithful, the curious, and the searching. Catholic Radio offers something for every stage of someone's faith journey, but we can't do it without you. Please consider a gift to this station at whatever level you are able and join us in reaching souls, deepening faith, and converting hearts. 
As you just heard Cy mention, Catholic Radio is extremely effective in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, and everyone needs that. That's why we're here at Iowa Catholic Radio, 515-223-1150. It's the semi-annual fundraiser, and we are asking for your prayerful support. Your money is doubled right now at 515-223-1150. This week is very important for us. We're asking for your help. Any gift at any level, we're giving you a copy of Jimmy Akin's The Words of Eternal Life, True Happiness, and Where to Find It, 515-223-1150. That's 515-223-1150. Or go online at iowacatholicradio.com and make your pledge right now. Joe, good morning. Good to have you here. And uh, welcome. We're doing something kind of unique here because this is going to bounce back and forth. Yeah. Like, who's the host here? In yeah, this so it's, uh, it's a good question. that We were kind of talking about the head of the show, and we don't know yet. So our listeners will find out here soon. Who yeah, so the Holy Spirit's going to have to sort this one out. I, I, I shot you a notice. And let's get together. And like we'll figure it out on the, on the air. Yeah, so we maximize the value here, which you're always, you're always about, Joe, in so many ways. But uh, bringing your passion and zeal. And so beautiful to have you. And about the Eucharist, mm-hmm. the National Eucharistic Revival. And so your understanding of it as a, a layman, what we're doing, and maybe I'll chime in. Yeah, so I mean, when I, the reason I, I reached out to you on this is I've, we've obviously heard a lot more about this. I think if, you've, if, you've, if you follow Catholic media at all, obviously if you follow the, the Catholic registers and the mirror and things like that, you're hearing more and more about this. And my question to you is, and obviously you've got, we got your audience, my audience, it's what do we, what, where, where did this come from, right? So if you're not in the trenches of the USCCB, you might not understand the genesis or how something like this comes about. So could you give us a little background as to how something like this comes about and why? Well, I think, you know, we look at uh, all the cultural upheaval that we've dealt with, throw a pandemic in there as well. But uh, studies such as the Pew Research Study, which has been often cited in this way, posing questions, what do Catholics themselves believe that they are about when they celebrate the Eucharist? What is it that we're worshiping and adoring? Is it really worthy? Is it Jesus himself? And unfortunately, the numbers were a little dismaying there that uh, Catholics themselves, you know, would not necessarily say that Jesus is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in this way. So obviously uh, a need to evangelize our own people and bring them into the fold. Uh, There was some question about whether that Pew study actually uh, posed questions in a way that garnered garnered accurate information. So another one was commissioned, and uh, unfortunately also kind of brought this uh, true, sorry, truth home. So the, the great mystery and the riches that Jesus has entrusted to us, and so how can we activate this faith? How can we evangelize? And, you know, we know the uh, U.S. bishops composed a document a couple years ago, The Mystery of the Eucharist and the Life of the Church, which I think is a profound resource, not a weighty tome, but very pastoral enough, but how in a real way bringing this home to people, uh, people who are maybe not seeing themselves as landing within the church, how are we connecting with them, opening up the, the skylight of this tremendous mystery every time we come, the miracle, which is the Eucharist being celebrated. Yeah, I think... It's obviously the source and summit of our lives as Catholics. And when you go back to John 6, when you read John 6 with any sort of, when you're chewing on it at all, you realize that the disciples left. I mean, a lot of them did, right? He just fed the 5,000. He then says, you must eat my body and drink my blood. And and people leave, and then even the disciples question it, right? And Peter, speaking for the church, says that, you know, this is a hard teaching. But where else are we supposed to go, right? Where else can we go? And I think when you, from the beginning, from the beginning, the church has struggled with this, right? So this isn't new in 2023 for us to have within the Catholic Church, not just outsiders saying, you guys are crazy, what are you doing, which clearly happened at the beginning, but even within the church, 
It was a tough teaching. So I, I, mean, I don't think we should be surprised. And yet, what did the early Christians first do? They came together, the breaking of the bread, doing this in memory of the risen one who had appeared to them, and so allowing him to be present. We think about the Didache, other documents that are trying to capture this. Uh, yeah, the form has been toned up, if you will, and there's been some unfolding understanding there. But this mystery that was present, it was a way of encountering the risen Christ uh, ever from the from the initial days, the initial moments of, of this new era when God creates the church. But even within the, even within the church, right? So I think I got some quotes from the early church we can maybe share later. But the idea that throughout the church's history for 2,000 years, we've had this struggle between, even within the church, of people saying, no, it's, it's a merely a symbol or it's not, you know, it's just a representation. And we see council after council that's had to stand up and, and reaffirm the true presence of Jesus in, in the Eucharist. And so like... The, to be surprised that a Pew Research Center is saying this, we, we shouldn't be surprised, right? But it's enough that the bishop said, no, we, we this is, you know, let's take a pause and let's let's do this. So what is it going to, like, how does just this to, work? Just to weigh yeah, in there, on. if you will, and that, you know, that as we come to understand the person of Jesus and all these councils that we're saying, who is Jesus, you know, you know, and Arianism and everything else, there's a, a, a human tendency to reduce things to make ourselves the measure of the mystery, in, if you will. And so... Uh, we shouldn't be surprised that the, the struggle on the Eucharistic level follows, you know, but uh, as, as uh, people who see the uh, one table of the Word and the sacrament, you know, to, to be Bible Christians as we are as Catholics, but not solely that, but how this unfolds there. So, you know, yes, I think we need the Spirit's guiding guidance leading us to the truth, the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of who he is, present, abiding with us, remaining in the in the church uh, through the, the mystery of the sacrament. And so what does it look like then from a... Uh from the, I mean, obviously, it looks like it's more diocesan level. I mean, so there's a national level, right, to the USCCB, and this is not international, right? This is just the U.S. conference, I believe, doing this. Well, it is an issue in the United States, but yeah. obviously, you know, yeah, we yeah. are part of a universal church, yeah. and so things like even, you know, World Youth Day in Lisbon this summer, you know, different yeah. moments and, and things that we're about. But no, this is a specifically initiative of the of the pastors and shepherds in the United okay. States. So, but each diocese has its own thing they can right. do. Right. So it's or? kind of plotted in a kind of threefold way, in which there was the uh, kind of diocesan level initiatives that's continuing this year. We're going to start the Feast of Corporate Christi last year. And so looking at that larger level of the, of the local church, and so the ways in which then we continue to, to hold up, to focus on the truth, the catechesis and apologetics, the reason we believe in the real presence of beauty, the, the, the way in which the liturgy should lift us up and awaken our senses and draw us out of ourselves, and then the goodness which will follow from that. So we're going to be transitioning, you know, through this uh, year, Corpus Christi in the in June, uh, to the parish renewals that are there. And so we think about Eucharistic missionaries who have been commissioned. We've had uh, Father Samuel Hakim here recently on the show, uh, who are sent out as kind of particular apostles, if you will preaching and bearing this news in this kind of itinerant way, uh, but touching and connecting with people on the local level, as we've experienced here, receiving a, a couple of them as well. But uh, obviously we want all of our priests to be on fire for the Eucharist, and so the parish level and the lay people who maybe in a particular way are charged not simply as Eucharistic ministers or other things, but to be you know at the forefront, uh, their own Eucharistic faith, adoring and, and sharing, communicating good news to other people. And then to carry over the following year to really have the sense of being charged, you know, with the, the the signature event, which is going to take place in in July 2024, the Great Eucharistic Revival at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, you already answered my question. There it is. All, All right. right. In so July of 2024 in Indianapolis is 
big Eucharist. Yeah, Eucharist and you know, I mean, obviously that that arena can hold maybe a seventy, eighty thousand people. They're making provision because they're expecting. I, I've watched the, Iowa the lose a football game in that exact arena. Well, Michigan hopefully State this will Big heal those traumatic. <laughs> this will heal these traumatic memories. The Eucharist is a bomb and medicine for, it was for a all those worldly. Play drive. <laughs> so, okay, it was hard. Pull to out, Joe. Eminence. Pull out, Joe. Yeah, come back. Come back. <laughs> yeah, you get me started thinking about the collapse of the Cyclones against Texas Tech, a twenty-three point lead and twelve minutes. Lab. But anyway, Kelly, Kelly, get us back on focus. <laughs> it's so, going to be a National Eucharistic Congregation. It's going to be a Lucas Oil Stadium. And we think of, you know, how that ground has July been consecrated as well by the National Catholic Youth Conference, which yep. will also take place this November, you know, every two years, you know. So that's a place where our Lord has been adored, uh, mercy has been dispensed. And so, yeah, there'll be provision for that. And hopefully it's a, not just, you know, the kind of shock troops are already there, but it'll bring some others into the fold and maybe haven't had an experience of, of the Eucharist that uh, has really drawn them out, which maybe leads me to kind of think about, Joe, you know, just as we talk about making it personal, yeah. um, how has this been something in your life that has either waxed and waned or, you know, how you've come to, to see this as so vital that you've yeah. got a radio show yeah, that you're no, focusing that's, on? That's this. a great question. I think and I'm, I'm always curious on people's thoughts on this because it is, I mean, it, it it's the linchpin of our faith, right? It's interesting we're having this conversation today because last night I had a conversation with a friend of mine who I did not know. I've known this guy for 10 years. And I did not know he was Methodist previously. I said, oh my gosh, what brought you into the church? He said, well, I, I didn't realize that as Methodists, we didn't believe in the true presence. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I had no idea. I just assumed we believed it. And so when I asked my pastor, he goes, oh, no, no, we believe it's a symbol. He goes, okay, I think I'm out. <laughs> it's like, right? And I think there's some level of, we as Catholics in today's world, we need to more than ever, need to look different than the culture. We need to. The culture is is clearly um, heading the wrong direction. And so the more we can be steadfast, steadfast in our faith and look different and feel different, the more it's going to be attractive to people. Understand that we, as the winds are blowing and the, the, you know, everything's heading this direction, but the Catholic Church is, is staying the course, and especially on this most important tenet. So in my own life, no, I, I would, I as a cradle Catholic, right, I think there's a lot of things that I look at my... Um, my brothers and sisters who have come in at a later uh, later time in their life, like, oh man, I wish I had some of that. Because for me, you know, you have a child's faith growing up, and then you at some point you have to turn that into an adult faith. And I think for me, the Eucharist has always been one where I've said, Lord, I, I pray it still today. Lord, help me to fully understand what's going on here. Understanding that I don't think I'll ever fully understand it, but I, I want to get close. And I think as an adult Catholic, you have to look up research. I, I gave a uh, I, a men's talk. I gave once. I said, you know, if you if you haven't studied the Eucharist in second grade when you receive First Communion, you have a second grade understanding of the Eucharist, right? And so it's incumbent upon us to to do that. I say I, I always talk as men. As men, it's incumbent upon us as the leaders of the family, leaders of the faith. We need to do research on this. We need to go out. We need to study. We need to to wrestle with these 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 issues. And so with the Eucharist specifically for me, uh, an enormous – I talk about Bishop Barron. I talk about John Ricardo ad nauseum. Um, but Bishop Barron was huge for me, and I think – you know, one of the, the visualizations he gives, he talks about, you know, we have descriptive words. You know, I can describe to you what this building feels like. I can describe to you the weather. But we also have proscriptive words. And he goes, you know, in the, you know, think of a baseball game. You're down in, you know, Bush Stadium or you're, to your listeners, you're all talking about Nebraska, the Memorial Stadium, right? And in a, in a, in a, if a ref <laughs> Or the says, College World Series. Yeah, the yeah. College World Series. Rosenblatt, right? yeah. We'll, we'll use that. I've been there before, so I can do that <laughs> once, right? If they say, if, if the umpire, we'll use the baseball analogy, if the umpire says... You know, if I say, "Oh gosh, he's you know, that was a, he's he's safe from the stands," it means nothing. But if the umpire says he's out, the umpire has the power 
to change the game. The umpire called a strike when I thought it was a ball. Well, my what I think doesn't matter. What matters is the guy who has the proscriptive language can say it's a ball or a strike or it's out. Similar, he he used another example of the uh, you know a cop. If I go up to you today and say Bishop Jones, you're under arrest, it means nothing because I don't. But if Officer Egan comes in here, if an actual uniformed officer of Des Moines comes in and says you're under arrest, well, he has the power of proscriptive language, and that was really powerful to me to understand that the priest has the power, the proscriptive language with which to turn bread into the body of Christ, and that was that was huge. So, I, I, but that's a small little example of. I had to understand as an adult, it's time for me to own the faith, and I had to go out of my comfort zone and to to read, to watch. And we are so, we have so many resources, it's almost too much. And we we talked before the show about Jeff Cavins. Jeff Cavins, 15 years ago, was one of the handful of choices you have. Well, now, it's almost too much. There's so many resources that we have to learn about all these various things it's almost over, you know, it's almost overload. So I, I my my advice to people is find find the person who speaks to you. If it's Father Mike Schmitz, if it's Bishop Barron, whoever it is, it, or, and I'll, I'll turn to you for this question, there's probably some headier resources out there that I that I probably haven't explored yet that can give us even a deeper uh, exploration of the Eucharist and its meaning. So I'll turn it over to you. What resources? Well, let's, let's start at the grassroots level, though. And we think about the things that the diocese has really put together, Diocese of Des Moines, you know, to build upon some of these other things that you've mentioned, you know. But uh, even in this past year, the kind of My Why videos, mm-hmm. which are testimonies and witness being given from students at St. Anthony and Sacred Heart, Sacred Heart Sheraton, Shelby County Catholic School, but various parishioners, various ages, you know, just what does this mean to them? And so I think, you know, the word being heard, you know, I think we can come at this through the intellectual, the unpacking of Scripture and other pieces that are there. I think Pope Emeritus Benedict has so many beautiful uh, reflections on the Eucharist. I find him, you know, is kind of timeless in the way his books on the Eucharist have, have really spoken and his homilies that point to this mystery in a different way. But now also another additional resource that has just really kind of been posted for us, whymass.org. So capital W-H-Y and then capital M-A-S dot org. And it's a series of five videos that uh, uh, have been produced through the good and graces of John Gaffney, Tom and Christy Quinlan, and Kelly Franzen, who's the uh, video production whiz, and obviously Anne-Marie Cox in our communications. But our common uh, friend and colleague, John Leonetti, is the narrator for oh, it. Cow, but no, pithy and potent yeah. videos of about four, uh, four minutes long. There's five of them, but I'd encourage people not to binge watch these things, but to watch them and take the reflection questions. Lent, you know, is a great time for us to kind of unfold, maybe in the presence of him, in the presence mm-hmm. of the Blessed Sacrament. Let him speak to you. These videos I would put out there at a national level. I'm going to tell Bishop Andrew Cousins, who's overseeing the, U- the Eucharistic Revival for the U.S. bishops, hey, these are community property. Please use them, if you will. You right. know, so, but, I, you know. You think about Thomas Aquinas, his reflections on the mystery, you know, uh, Benedict the Sixteenth Sacramentum Caritatis, which is another rich resource and things. So you, we can we can strike this at the you know, at the, the level of our minds, which is vital because we've got plenty to chew on here. It never can be exhausted, this mystery. And I think for me, when I another major turning point for me was those church fathers. I'm not going to time to get into all the quotes of them, but you, when you read the church fathers, it's black and white. There's no gray area here. These are the guys who either knew Jesus or knew a person who knew Jesus, and they're they're right there. And there's there's no him and Han at what this is. And people went to death for cannibalism for a reason. And they they could have easily said, no, no, it's just a symbol, it's a symbol. But they didn't. They died. And that the 
those experiences of those early church fathers, especially the people who got martyred for the faith early on, man, how powerful is that? That witness to me was also extraordinarily powerful. But to your point, we have resources from, you know, four minute videos to tomes of, of you know, literature to read on this. And I, I, my encouragement is always, especially as obviously it's important to the USCCB, just go out. Let's do it. Let's take initiative in our own lives because it's incumbent upon us as Catholics to know this stuff and to, and to, and to, and to struggle with. I mean, it is a struggle, especially at, you know, early church, but we have the, we are so blessed in 2023 to have all these resources to help us. Hey everyone, this is Al Cresta from Cresta in the Afternoon. Thank you for listening and supporting your local Catholic radio station. And please remember to tell everyone you know how your life has been impacted by this station. We're all called to share the good news, and you're a part of that effort every time you invite someone to listen so they can be formed in the Catholic faith. Your financial support is also vital in this work, so please stay tuned and join in this effort. Thank you, Al. It is the semi-annual fundraiser this week here on Iowa Catholic Radio. 515-223-1150 is the number to call. Pick up that phone. Or you can give online, iowacatholicradio.com. It's the good news that is preached here on Iowa Catholic Radio. Part of the good news this week is your money is doubled. Any gift at any amount, thanks to the gifts from our Challenger Club. 515-223-1150. 515-223-1150. Or iowacatholicradio.com. Thank you for your support. So we kind of have a man up making a personal double header here double header. going on. Yeah, people getting the full enchilada here, <laughs> so uh, doing that. But, you know, I think all the way in which the mystery is unfolded for us, but, you know, it's that experience and a particular grace for me. I, I, I confess, I do not remember my first Holy Communion. It's really sad to say that. I don't remember that as a magic moment, you know, and I think I received individually, Student Center Parish, St. Thomas Aquinas and Ames. But even with all the kind of liturgical experimentation going on, this thing kind of broke through that it's, he's really here. He's really here. This is the most real thing in the universe. And it's been a particular grace for me in different ways, even I, though I wasn't always feeling it in that lively way. You know, at a particular point when I was in Iowa City, again, the Eucharist just kind of activated that he is here and that whatever the challenges I was facing, the turmoil and things of vocational discernment, that was the magnet drawing me. And so that was a particular grace that, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the center of the universe upon which everything else revolves. So and then, you know, the, the intellectual and the, the mature development for me. But Joe, you, well, you, I know, think, you were talking well, about other well, those, those ideas, I mean, I gave a talk on uh, Catherine Siena recently and, she, you know, every once in a while she had these she of all people would get these glimpses of heaven and then she'd just go off to her normal life. Right. And I think, you know, mother Teresa had obviously years without this, but there were tastes of it here and there. I think God gives us those, you know, little tastes every once in a while. Um, I had mentioned, I kind of talked about these quotes. I know we have an extra few minutes. I do want to hit on them. And then I want to talk about Eucharistic adoration real quick, but from Ignatius of Antioch, the unbeliever abstains from the Eucharist and from prayer because they do not confess that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he was 100, right? So that's very early on. There's, again, no gray area there at all. And the Justin Martyr, not too far behind, you know, 160s, 170s probably. Not as, not as common bread or as common drink do we receive these. But since Jesus Christ, our Savior, was made incarnate by the Word of God, the food, which has been made into the Eucharist by the Eucharistic prayer, is both the flesh and the blood of the incarnate Jesus. So I look at those. I'm like, Man, again, no gray area at all. They are... Those are fighting words, and they are going to stick with them. And so 
to me, that I have so much faith. That helps build my faith when I hear that these great minds, these people who were either knew Jesus or were one generation, two generations away from him, were so confident in that. And so when we're looking at revival of Eucharist, right? So obviously the church fathers, a lot of the resources we talked about. For me, making, and I, it's probably been four or five years now where I've done weekly, um, weekly adoration. So I have a spot, a certain time during the week. And that has made an enormous difference in my life. And I, I, I can't encourage my listeners, your, your listeners enough, to find time regularly to get in front of Jesus uh, in the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. They're, you know, obviously in Des Moines, I'm sure, uh, it, throughout the diocese, you can find places. Our priests have been so good about creating those additional opportunities. Way more so than years. 10 years ago. Yeah. Way more so than 10 years ago, right? right. And I think you, you see these opportunities to do that because they understand the importance of it. And it has been, it's been life-changing for me uh, and my wife. And, my, and we bring our kids there, too. Um, it's a great evangelization tool for our, for our kids to see us. There and you know well we bring the the ten the eight and the six year old often we won't bring anyone younger than that uh, we can keep the young ones at home uh, because peace and quiet is an important thing very prudent <laughs> very discerning but it's really you know it's a great it's a great opportunity and you know what if you don't have an hour you can find I, I, one of the greatest things for me during my hour I'm there is to watch people come in for five minutes like they clearly went out of their way at least a little bit right they came in for just five minutes. The holy custom of making a visit. Just come in, right? Just stop in. And give you what he needs and however long yeah. you have. Because you just, God, God, I wish I had three hours. I don't. I've got five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you do that, the more you approach Jesus in the sacrament, he'll give you the graces. But there is, you know, it's a day. You've got to have, you got to go out in faith, right? I mean, you have to make the effort uh, in some capacity. Uh, and I think that's, you know, adoration, what a wonderful way for us to do that. Yeah. So, again, and coupled with the Eucharistic processions that uh, oh, yeah. parishes have, we sponsored one, we'll continue to do so. The Eucharistic Revival, it is an opportunity. There are still some parishes that haven't availed themselves of the two tickets. We want to have diverse representation in Indianapolis. But then the real mission continues of then having received the body of Christ to be the body of Christ, to go out on mission, which is the last pulse of this whole Eucharistic Revival evermore, to share bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed, clothe the naked, all the things that in Matthew 25 you know, really, I think, uh, also gain people's attention. Joe, your passion, there's never enough time with you, you know. <laughs> you always leave us wanting more, but thank you for this. Thank you, Bishop. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness. 